the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Four oh six on Hometown Radio. It is Wednesday, January tenth, two thousand twenty-four. I'm Dave Congleton, reminding you that in about an hour, Michelle Delstair checks in. Is there any way that we can uh, keep two thousand twenty-four from being a repeat of twenty twenty and twenty twenty-one? Uh, we'll talk. Also at six oh five, why are so many restaurants around the county closing down? It is a Dave Congleton show. Always your hometown radio talk show. This hour. We have uh, been talking a lot about downtown San Luis lately. Tribune weighs in, uh, just posted this article. Uh, San Luis Obispo will lower rent on big downtown space to keep major retailer from leaving. San Luis Obispo will, will lower the rent for a prominent downtown space after the building's tenant, Shoe Palace, threatened to leave. The San Luis Obispo City Council quietly approved a lease adjustment for Jamestown Premier property at its meeting Tuesday night. The item was approved without comment, along with other consent agenda items. A lot to unpack. Always good to be in conversation with Mark Burns. Today, wearing his hat as a veteran commercial realtor, 21 years in the biz. Mark, how are you? I'm well, Dave. You? Nice to see you. We're good. It's always good to be here. I appreciate you guys. Well, we thought of you. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, and you're the you're the guy on the commercial stuff. So uh, let's re- bring our listeners up to date here. What was the issue, Mark? What was the concern with Shoe Palace? Well, I'm not like intimately involved in that particular deal, but the the that's they have a what's called a master leaser, very similar to what Oliver Donnie does at the Weinman. He doesn't own the property, but he has a master lease on it where he went in and developed the property and then was able to sublease to a number of tenants. Um, I, so I'm not privy to the exact relationship that Jamestown has with the city on this property. So I, I have to speak to it without that inside knowledge, but it's it's a 15,000 square foot space. That is a very large retail space for San Luis Obispo. $14,353 per month is the rent. Yes. Uh, the average, and I've got it right here for you, Dave. Uh, the average uh, rent listing is $38.62. Now, that's an annual figure. When you see these kinds of things, and I know your viewers can't see it, Dave, but when you see something like that, it's annualized. So you divide that thirty-eight sixty-two by 12, and the average rents are a little over $3 a square foot. Hmm. And here are the here are the rents in that are... The, rent, the asking rent in downtown San Luis Obispo right now for nine properties for commercial properties for lease in this downtown area you can see where that is he's got the map in his hand yeah you can see where that is if you want to tell tell your audience where we're talking about uh well you got the whole downtown here mark you got marsh street um looks like bordered by santa rosa 
um, bordered by High Garrow. Yeah, you got the whole downtown mapped out here. See, so there's nine places for lease there. The average asking price is $32 a square foot annually, so that's uh, about three bucks a foot. And they're actually leasing some of them for a little more than that. And the, the shredder had a thing the other day saying that the average, if I read it correctly, said the average rents in downtown San Luis are $1.75 a foot. They're not. They're much more than that. When you get to the periphery of downtown, they, they become less than that because that's that farmer's market district that drives that enormous pedestrian traffic. Yeah, yeah. So those are the most valuable spaces. The space where the shoe palace is is ancillary to that. It's off of that. And Marsh and Choro? Is basically where they are next to the parking they, they structure? Exactly at okay. they're on the corner of Marsh and Choro. Right. And and to me, a fifteen thousand square foot shoe store is this is a pretty big shoe store. Yeah. I think the the um Nike store at Pismo at the outlet centers, I think that is around 12,000 square feet, but it's a bigger space because it's much higher. So when you, when you measure spaces like that, square footage is also important, but we measure it in cubic feet because the higher up you can go, the more stuff they can put in there. Yeah. All right. So Jamestown goes to the city council. Uh, you need to lower our rent or we're going to leave. And the city council, it was just on a consent agenda. They didn't even debate it. They just approved it. I were I at the meeting, the question I would have asked is, can that space be demised unless they're demised? Meaning, can we take the fifteen thousand square feet and turn it into five three thousand square foot retail spaces? Much easier to manage. Many 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 more tenants available to pay that. that, that would be looking for 3,000 square feet, right. and you'll get a better per square uh, foot rent from smaller spaces in terms of dollars. Is it common for the city to lower rent on buildings that it owns? Or um, is this a sign of the times? Uh, cities don't own that many buildings. I've dealt with one building that was owned by the city of Royal Grande where I represented a tenant going into it. Um, it's unusual. I'm not a big fan of it because I don't like to see the cities competing with the local landlords and local uh, uh, business people. But in this case, there is that buffer layer because Jamestown is leasing it from the city and they are acting as the landlord. Once again, as Oliver Donnie is at the Weinman Hotel. Uh, according to the Tribune article from today, city staff recommended the council approve the rent decrease because, quote, having the space occupied benefits downtown businesses through ongoing activation and foot traffic and stimulation of the local economy. Translate that for me, Mark. It says we don't want another empty space downtown. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that, but I'm not sure that going going about it the way they did was the best thing. Again, I would think if I'm the landlord there, I'd rather have five tenants than one. You got one tenant. That's a single tenant building. That means you're either 100% occupied or you are 100% vacant. Let's say there were five spaces there. Would all of those tenants say, I want to leave now? And one of them leaves. Well, you still got 12 of the 15,000 square feet occupied and you don't suffer that big space being vacant. Quoting more from the staff report, given the size and structure of the Shoe Palace retail space, if it were to become vacant, it could remain that way for a significant period of time and may need significant investments in tenant improvements in order for a new tenant to move in. Absolutely. The longer it's vacant, the more challenging it is to rent. True. 
the longer it's vacant, you're seeing the less demand. And if somebody like me is representing a tenant, then I'm going to twist some landlord's arms just a little bit harder. And the landlord's going to say, hey, we got to get somebody in here. But again, this space here, I think if you look at it, you could get two or three nice storefronts along Marsh, and you could get another two or three, or, or however you demise it, along Choro. And, and there's good there's good retail space on the other side of Choro there, sure, where, sure. where the Sweetie Cup is, and where El Huiro is, and where the Habit is. Yeah, Greg, jump in here. Well, I can see the, the point of view from the city, the fact that it would be multiple potential... Uh, tenants versus one guaranteed one that's been there, been there long enough. They they have established themselves and they are staying. They're willing to stay versus, hey, we could get in the future this money after we put a bunch of money into the business or into the building, dividing it up and whatnot. So I can see the, their point of view. Yes, you could potentially get more, but the amount of labor that's going to go into it and cost uh, up front, I can definitely see them not wanting to do right now. Hmm. You eventually would get more. Eventually, eventually, but but right now it's kind of priorities. Right now, what is the priority with the city? And I think right now for them, it's keeping businesses that are already there in place. That is a good priority. I agree with that. But that is the short term. In the long term, where would everybody be better off? San Luis doesn't think long term. Okay, it's it's today. On so, the uh, curbs on Choro, that what you're talking yeah. about, Craig? There we go. On the Stolberg text line, now I don't want to think about this. Someone's asking, why is the downtown Starbucks in San Luis Obispo not renewing its lease on Marsh Street? Do you know anything about that? Uh, first I've heard of it was about five minutes before the show started when a friend of mine texted me that information and said, hey, I just talked to someone, there. they're moving. Would that surprise you? No, because Starbucks mo- comes and goes and moves. They have a hmm. business model. And th- their business model is way, way different than what we're talking about at the Shoe Palace. Yeah. They get small spaces in a lot of places. Hmm. A lot to talk about. Uh, Mark Burns on this broadcast. When we come back, why do we have so many empty retail spaces in the downtown? Uh, we'll pick Mark's brain, and we'll give you a chance to call in a little bit as well. Stick around for more of the Dave Congleton Show. All right, we'll continue our series of conversations about uh, downtown San Luis Obispo. I remind you that the mayor, uh, Erica Stewart, is going to join us uh, Friday at 5. She'll take your phone calls and talk about whatever you want to talk about. We're talking about commercial real estate in the downtown. Mark Burns is with us, commercial realtor extraordinaire. We start off talking about the situation with the Shoe Palace. City Council voted last night unanimously to lower the rent, although I do find it interesting that they didn't even discuss it, Mark. It was just on consent agenda. Uh, again, if I was there, I, I would have asked somebody to pull it. And you know, Craig made a point, a very good point, before we went to the break, that uh, it's important that we don't have any more vacant spaces, and I agree with that. On the other hand, investment in commercial real estate is not a pedestrian venture. There's a great deal of risk and a great deal of reward. You have to have capital. You have to be able to look long-term to understand, you look at not what's happening now, but as the investor, you want to look at 10 or even 20 years. How's this going to play out? And if you were to do a 10-year forecast on that building there, 
with the raised rents of the demise space, even including any broker fees that they would have to pay me or, or, or Preston Thomas or Mark Anderson or any of the great guys around here that are involved in this business, and the tenant improvement allowance, you factor all that in as a capital improvement, a little more depreciation on your taxes, and the additional income you get and the safety that you get from having more than one tenant in a building. But if we went back 10 years, would we still be wrestling with these issues? Or is what we're seeing now a new phenomenon, in your no, opinion? No, this is, well, what's happening now is, is it's literally par for the course on that long term, okay? It's, it's um, there are cycles in this business. They come and go. And a lot of times the reasons that these buildings are vacant are, are different for different buildings, you know, you're going to be talking about restaurants. Well, there's yeah. there's a lot of restaurants that have gone vacant for very different reasons. I keep thinking of the old Giuseppe's. Yeah. But right across from Boo Boo's. And that's been vacant for ages. And I'm not going to throw any numbers out but because it's, it's not uh, privy to the public. I know what they are. I think you know what they are. Joe... When Joe moved from that space, he gave the, the, the landlord the opportunity to stay there. He moved. He cut his rent in half, and his rent is big. Yeah. It's not a little rent. Now, Joe, you know, Joe sells a lot of yeah. spaghetti, so yeah. he can afford either rent. But why would you not move to a space that's going to save you a couple hundred grand or more annually in rent? That was also a nicer space. Way better. I like the new one much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. All right, so that space is empty. California Pizza Kitchen empty beverly's empty ross empty and i know new businesses coming in and we're not trying to beat up on the downtown but you you can't help but notice the big empty stores yes and there's there's a a term called obsolescence some buildings they get social or physical obsolescence some buildings eventually every building will wear out and have to be rebuilt or completely torn down and something new put in its place. Uh, the Ross building, again, I don't know exactly how big it is. It's pretty big. It could be put into multiple spaces. There's a couple of levels above it that could serve easily as affordable housing. There are huge incentives to create affordable housing. We desperately need affordable housing. So some of these second and third levels could easily serve as that. It takes some new ideas it takes sometimes new investment it takes it it, it takes being creative do you know of any cities in california that are being creative like this yeah pismo beach talk about pismo um well i'm i'm personally my i have my partner mike frey and i are are developing the old uh bavarian auto house lot we are putting yeah yeah, and it's time that's a beat up old building and we're going to be 21 to 2,400 square feet of commercial space with five affordable apartments. I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm a, a big proponent of affordable housing. And uh, the shoe, speaking of shoe stores, the shoe tree building, the shoe tree after all these years, the tailors and subsequently the Morbitos have gone, have, have turned the key off. Angelo is well in his 80s. Rod's got Paul's cleaners and all these other things going on in his life. And the business slowed way down there. They, that's about a 4,000 square foot building. They were in less than a third of it when they finally closed up, which they gave us keys back on December 31st this year. And we, we wish, love them, wish them the best of luck. That's about a 4,000-square-foot building. We're going to gut that thing, open it up, and then offer it out as commercial space. If somebody wants all 4,000 feet, groovy. But if you don't, you want 2,000 of it 
or 1,500 of it, we're, we're, when we open that building up, that's what latitude we have. What's it like working with the city of Pismo Beach on this? Uh, for me, it's been really easy on both projects. Okay. But, you know, I've been there a long time. I was in the planning commission there a long time. I'm far more familiar with Pismo than I am the other cities. Um, so for me, it's a little easier there. But, um, I, you know, the, the, it, it's always challenging trying to adhere to all of the rules. Some of the rules seem silly, and some of them seem very difficult to navigate. But the, I found that the people in the cities, the planners and the building officials, they're just doing their jobs the best they can. They, they have good intent. Uh, text coming in on the Stolberg line reminds us of the elephant in the room. When you pay $4 an hour to park, many shop elsewhere. So let's broaden that. You're a prospective um, retailer. Why would you want to come? Why would you want to come into a downtown where parking is an issue? It I wouldn't. Would, it wouldn't make much sense. I wouldn't. And and that's a whole different issue. And if the city wants to help, that's where they can help. I know that they got in over their head on the new parking structure, and I've heard you've had a, a couple of three uh, discussions on your show about that. Yeah. And but when you when you raise the rates to such a place. You're right. People are going to say, I'm, I'm not going there anymore. I, the, the parking thing, Dave, <laughs> when they, when they made, expanded the district to 9 p.m., I found out the hard way. My lady friend and I, she comes from Los Osos. Let's go to La Esquina. Yeah. She hadn't been there before. Yeah. So 6.30, we pull around. It's about this time of year. It's dark. She parks behind me. We walk in. We walk out, have dinner about 8.30. We both have a ticket that I got to pay both of them. It's like, when did this happen? I, I missed the memo. That's a place where the city could really help. Uh, Susan checks in on the Stolberg line. Hey, Susan, what does your guest mean by affordable housing above retail? What would be the rent? Susan, Never seems affordable to me. Well, a for, a for, there are two terms we need to get with. Workforce housing means something that has a market rate that's basically for the workforce, and it's a supply and demand thing. When I say affordable housing, I'm talking about housing that is deed-restricted to affordable, that people under have to qualify through the housing authority, show that they are making less than a certain amount of money to qualify for rent at that period. There are incentives from from basically state governments tightening it up. There are incentives where, like my where I told you, I'm getting eight affordable units. Yeah. I only have density for five units. I'm getting three bonus units there. Hmm. Plus, some of the cities like Pismo Beach, you know, they, they'll help you out with some of their housing funds. They make it worth. They, they create incentives, which, in my opinion, is the way to do it. So, Susan, it's a regulated thing, and it would be a situation where the people that actually work downtown in these retail stores and restaurants could afford to live downtown and not have to burn up fuel living in North County or Santa Maria. That'd be great. I told you a story when we first talked about this. A friend of mine said that the old Giuseppe's restaurant stays empty because the owner can make more money through a tax write-off. Is that true? Well, I'm not an accountant, but yeah, and I heard you talk about that the other day. Let's touch on that for a moment. There was a time many years ago when real estate investors, where anybody could go out and their their advisors, their CPAs, say, tell a doctor or a lawyer and say, you need to go out and find a building that loses you 40000 a year because I can get you 50000 in taxes. Well, okay. it's really easy to go out and find to lose money on things. It's harder to make money. Ronald Reagan, of all people, in the Fair Tax Act, 19 1986 did away with that. So unless you are a full-time real estate professional, you begin to sunset if you're, uh, I think, 
once you're, I think it's 150000 a year, once you have a net income of that or more, you can no longer write off those kind of losses. So you have to do something with the building. And we have to do something right now. We're going to go to news and traffic and weather. Back on the other side, more of our conversation with commercial realtor Mark Burns. What's up with all the uh, commercial space being vacant in downtown San Luis? And what about the city council vote last night to lower the rent on one of their properties? We're live, we're local. You're listening to The Dave Congleton Show. Landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Commercial realtor Mark Burns is my guest. Been in the business for more than 20 years. Picking his brain, trying to figure out exactly what's happening here in San Luis Obispo. We start off by talking about the city council vote last night. They didn't even discuss it. It was on the consent agenda, but they approved unanimously a decision to, to lower the rent at the Shoe Palace to keep the Shoe Palace in business. And Mark has explained to us the challenges that commercial uh, owners are facing right now. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832 if you want in on the conversation. Mark, it sounds to me like you're suggesting all these empty spaces, uh, there needs to be a reimagining of what those spaces could be. Absolutely. Um, perhaps they can be what they are. Perhaps they're current. Perhaps they, they've reached that point of obsolescence where they need to be redesigned. That's the thing about commercial real estate. That there's a risk there and there's a reward there. Um, and while we're talking, I mean, there was a comment, Dave, that was made while we were, while the news was playing about the city, that somebody's thinking that I'm saying the city should pay for those new TIs. I didn't say that at all. I don't think the city should pay for it. I don't think the taxpayers should pay for it. There's a landlord in Jamestown, and there's a potential tenant or tenants that come in. A commercial lease is not like renting your house or your apartment. Hey, the rent's 2000 a month. Okay, here it is. A commercial lease is every bit as negotiable, just like buying a house. There's no difference. And part of that negotiation is how long, how much rent are you going to pay? It needs this kind of tenant improvement allowance. How much is the landlord going to put in? Okay, well, well, the landlord doesn't want to put any cash in. Okay, then you can put that out in the form of abated rent over a period of time. There, there, there are a number of ways to skin that cat. All right. Here's Bob in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Bob. Hi, Dave. Hi, Bob. Uh, back when I had my little business downtown, my landlord was Jay Stream. <laughs> I remember he him. Is, he was a uh, very adamant uh, conservative. Uh, in his office, he had pictures of him with President Reagan, and uh, I, I really didn't want to you know, have political discussions with him, but I was in his office one day, and I asked him point blank, I said, how is it you can afford to charge me so little for my space? Part of it, though, was my space was very, very uh, peculiar. It was a right-side triangle with the doorway at the narrowest point. So I had a very small footprint on the sidewalk. But uh, he, he looked at me, he goes, I would much rather have long-term tenants 
pain a little bit under market value and keep my spaces occupied. I said, you don't get tax write-offs for having your spaces empty? He goes, yeah, I probably do, but I, I'm, I'd am i rather have income. Hmm. Mark, comment, please. What, what has changed with the, uh, with the landlords today? Why don't the landlords today want income? They do. Just like that. What you explained is, and, and, and if you're saying it's different or anybody's leading you to believe different, it isn't. Even if you're getting a tax write-off, you're only getting that percentage of what you might have made based on your tax bracket as opposed to actually making money. And um, so you, you bring up an interesting point. So let's real quick, but there's things called a gross lease. There's things called a triple net lease. Most commercial leases are triple net. A gross lease is like this. You got a guy who owns an apartment complex and he's got 10 apartments at 2000 a month each. He's getting 20000 a month. Out of that, he pays his property taxes, insurance, the, the gardener and all of that. Most commercial leases, and again, there are much more of a negotiation there, are triple net. So on top of that 2000 a month for these commercial spaces, assuming now that we have those 10 commercial spaces at 2000 a month, they will pay on top of that, they will reimburse the landlord for their prorated share of property tax, insurance, common area maintenance. So a lot of times what you see are landlords, and I can give you plenty of examples of this, the building down where the tie delight is, where, where District 9-6 and, and um, the New Saints Barrel Winery is. That, those I handle that building. They People have owned the building for 40 years, so their tax rate is very low. So their triple net expenses on top of that base rent are low. I just sold a building last year, a medical building up in Templeton that the owners had for 23 years. Their tax base was much lower. When the building sold for $6 million, the taxes went way up. The tenants pay the difference in that. Hmm. What else, Bob? No, I understand the difference between a gross and a triple net. And uh, Mr. Stream was very uh, generous, and his were grosses at the time. But what I would be curious about if the city uh, is concerned that they're not getting enough tax base revenue because so many of these buildings downtown are vacant, could they not some, institute some sort of a penalty, tax, or fine for having a vacant building? They, ooh, ooh. they can, and many cities have done that. It's not a very popular move. But in, Dave and I were talking before we got on. Do you? You sound like you've been around town. Do you remember Sebastian's? It's now a Lunarette, I think. Yes. That thing sent vacant for what twelve, thirteen, fourteen, maybe fifteen years, and we all brought offers to the guy to lease the place. I'm not leasing it for any less than this, so it set vacant for that period of time. That guy there it would have probably done good, and those vacant buildings do have a bad effect on the other buildings close by. Mm. The, the the big example. Well, not- go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not just a bad effect on the other businesses, but it's an overall drag on the net economy of the entire downtown right. for yeah. both the existing businesses and the tax base for the city, county. And the public perception, because, yes, there are all these new businesses coming in, and it's great, but people walk by and they see the bigger places empty, Mark, and that frames their perception. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else, Bob? I just wish that there was a way that these uh, recalcitrant landlords that don't want to rent for less than X number of dollars could be shown the light about, 
having your building occupied contributes to an overall better economy in the downtown. I'm glad you called, Bob. Thank you. Thoughts on that, Mark? Well, let's talk about a reason why. He asked, why are things different now? The one thing that is different now, very different, is the lending institution. So if there are loans on these properties, the banks are much, much, much tighter on on having certain kinds of leases in place and certain kind of tenants in place and certain just certain things in place in order to make these loans. So the commercial commercial real estate loans are risky to begin with and now the banks have tightened up quite a bit on that. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We invite your phone calls for Mark Burns. Uh, sounds like we have Jim Dantona listening, head of the Slow Chamber of Commerce on the Stolberg line. He says, I think the question is how much the city would have to pay for the improvements to divide a large space. If it's $100 a square foot for those improvements, that is a million and a half dollars cost and no rent during that time for the city. Realistically, it's probably more $300 per square foot the city would have to put out before getting revenue. I'm not sure where you got your figures. Those figures, figures of TI are all TI tenant improvement are all over the place. You don't know what it, you don't know what that figure is going to be until you actually know what you're going to do. Putting in a restaurant is a great deal more expensive uh, than p- putting in a retail store because you've got all the all that infrastructure, the hoods, the kitchen, and, and and different types of restrooms. And again, I am not suggesting that the city pay for it. I don't think the city should. It should not be on the burden of the taxpayers. The taxpayers in San Luis Obispo are already up to their eyeballs. I think that you have a landlord. The landlord there is Jamestown. They are the master leaseor, and they should be the ones negotiating with the tenants over this. And I also get why they would, again, I've said at the beginning of the show, I'm not on the inside of this deal. I don't know Jamestown. So they, I'm sure they have good reasons why they're doing what they want to do there. I'm just saying for the point of, of efficiency of that building, and for the long term, it would probably be better off with five 3,000-square-foot tenants than one 15,000-square-foot tenant. But they would have to get city approval to do that. Yes. you got to get city approval to do all pert near everything. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, you got to get city approval to, to just you know change bathroom around. <laughs> Mark Burns is with us, talking about what's happening, not happening in the downtown from a commercial real estate perspective. We'll come back for a final segment right here on KVEC. Glad to have you with us on Hometown Radio. Let's take another call for Mark Burns. Here's Jack in Grover on KVEC. Hi, Jack. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, Jack. Hey, Happy dude. What's going down? <laughs> Same old thing. Yeah. I just want to. I, I I haven't had the luxury of listening to the entire conversation, but um, I heard a couple things I thought I'd comment on. But let me just say, Dave, um, I've been. Mark Burns has been. I've worked with Mark on both sides of transactions. I've I've leased from Mark and worked with Mark leasing things to other people on deals. And Mark is probably one of the finest um, commercial realtors in California. Literally, he knows what he's talking about. So everybody that's listening, you can you can take what he says to the bank. I agree. Um, um, 
you know, I heard a comment a, a little bit ago that, that maybe the landlords need to get it through their head that they can't get a certain amount of money. And I, I there's probably some truth with certain landlords with that comment. However, the problem with downtown and all the vacancies, which is not just San Luis Obispo, by the way, you know, going to the village of Aurora Grande or in, in even areas of Pismo Beach, there's vacancies where there weren't before. Um, you know, we have an ongoing problem uh, in in the county, really, with vacancies. But I think the problem in, in San Luis Obispo, it seems to me, is not a problem that's been borne by the landlords. It's a it's an overall degradation of what's happening in the downtown San Luis Obispo area. Mark? Jack, the, yeah. And, and Jack, would you agree with me that these things are cyclical? It will cycle around. They will they will lease up again. They will be bigger vacancy again. It has that cycle. And would you also agree with me? And I, I'm I'm willing to bet the family farm on this that you would agree with me that the city, if they're going to were to do something at the shoe palace, the city should not be the ones. The taxpayers should not be paying for it. The the, the investors should. That's what investing okay. is. Well, a hundred percent agreed with that, and and I also agree. You know, I think part of what's got to happen in in retail, period, any kind of retail, is they do. I think Dave used the word reimagine it uh, a little bit earlier. I think that's a good word for it because you know retail is changing, and it probably would make more sense to do more smaller units than one giant unit because uh running a business today is so expensive um i know of a one of our <clears throat> realtors that are no longer in the real estate business that decided to open up a candy store and um you realize how many pieces of candy you've got to sell just to <laughs> yeah. pay the rent yeah okay not to mention you know the utilities and the insurance and labor and all these things. So it's so expensive. Um, but I, no, you're spot on. Uh, the 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 city should not be footing the bill. But I think the city should work with the landlord to fast track any changes that need to happen to make it more uh, leasable. Yeah, uh, Jack. Um Thank you, and I don't want to sound like those cartoon chipmunks, Jack, but for those of you that don't know, this man built a company that was nearly a billion dollars a year in revenue, and in our little area, he took a Century 21 where there are thousands of franchises all over. I've seen them in Romania, for crying out loud. And he, what you, Jack, you were number 12 or 13 in the world or something like that. So Jack has built a, his partners built an incredibly successful business right here. And not everything worked for them. It's trial, error, and it's investment. Am I right, Jack? Oh, you're, no, you're right. You're right. Not everything works. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. every, every day it's a new challenge, you know. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, so, Jack, in the, for a city of San Luis Obispo, a lot of those office spaces, commercial spaces, they're going to remain vacant for a while, aren't they? I, I think they are. I really do. And, I, you know, probably... What would be innovative and that the city should do is maybe call on people like Mark Burns and, and bring them in as consultants and say, what do we need to do? How can we work with the landlord to make this property you know, more attractive to bring businesses in? Because it's so expensive to run a business these days. You know, you think about, um, uh, you know, you mentioned a restaurant, for instance. 
open a restaurant, it's incredibly expensive to open a restaurant. Um, and then think, how many how many hamburgers do I need to sell just to pay the rent? How many glasses of beer do I need to sell just to pay the rent? So the, it's not that the city should kick in, but the city needs to find work with them to find ways to streamline the process because... Again, I've been on both sides of this with Mark on both sides of it, literally. The tenant improvement thing, I mean, that can run into a million bucks real quick, you know. Um, and, 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 and if the landlord doesn't have an extra million dollars laying around to do it, then you, then you have to have an expert like Mark that can, knows how to negotiate that into the lease so it gets paid out over time. And or work with a lender that can work with them. It's it's a complicated uh, problem. Yeah. It really is. Jack, we so appreciate you calling in today. Thank you for that. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. If you want in on this conversation, we'd like to hear from you now, please, as Mark Burns talks about the challenges of commercial property in downtown San Luis Obispo. Jack mentioned restaurants. That's a particular challenge, isn't it? It is. It's First off, the restaurants are a very challenging business to begin with. And things get in phase, they, or excuse me, these become in favor, they become a fad, then they come out. And some of we've lost a couple of the long standing restaurants here, but the Trib ran a, a good article this morning on the front page. There were 20 restaurants that actually opened in Slow County la- last year, 2023, and one of the members of the council mentioned during the Shoe Palace meeting, I think it was last night, that, that there are actually more restaurants have opened in San Luis Obispo than it closed last year. Um, Across the board, restaurants are basically down 8 to 10%, even the big successful restaurants. A lot of reasons for that. I kind of think that it was a post-pandemic honeymoon. We were locked down for a year or so, then locked down again for a little while, and people said, wow, we can finally get out, let's go. And they had money to go out with because they couldn't go out and spend it while they were locked down. And now I think we're sort of coming back into reality. Uh, One major restaurant, I'm not going to mention the name, and I was deeply involved in it. One restaurant here did close because their rent was way too high. Mm. That's one, and I'm not going to say who it was. But that does happen. Of course it happens. But there are many other reasons why those things happen. And obviously it's not just a downtown. You go out to what I call Madonna Plaza. I don't know what it's called now. But um, Tahoe Joe's, empty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hometown Buffet, empty. A lot of empty places out there, too. See, those corporate things, they get real different, too. They, they, those guys will keep paying their rent. They'll look at it and say, this store isn't performing like we want. We can move this staff over to these other locations. We'll just shut that down. We'll, we'll lose less money if we just pay the rent. So what? we got five years left on the lease. We'll just keep paying the rent. That happens a lot. And I'll tell you, that happens with big stores and shopping centers, and it kills the little guy. Imagine Walmart, and Walmart does this. They'll get into an area, open four or five stores, get their market share, close one of those stores. And what happens to the mom and pops, or the little guys, or the smaller corporations that have the ancillary things? Things. Over what happens to Blaze Pizza down there in Rio Grande, or what happens to the to the to the to the Payless Shoe Store, and that sort of thing, they suffer because that traffic that the big ones bring in uh, uh, isn't there anymore. And so the same thing could be said for some of the vacancies in downtown. But again, these are the things that happen in commercial real estate, and the real estate thing is a slow moving market. It come, if you've ever lost money on real estate like I have, 
it doesn't come at you all of a sudden and knock you down. You get to stare at it. It's like they tie you to the railroad tracks. You see the train coming. The train is doing three miles an hour. It's a mile away. It's going to get you, but yeah. you're going to get to sit there and stare at it for a good long while. Because you see it coming. Yep. Uh, but then we have people like Susan when she texted in, more mixed use downtown, and I'm in favor of that. But if people want to live downtown, many of them are going to want parking. Yeah. And the two are interconnected. Well, and that's where you, the city wants these affordable houses, and they get to start working some things on the upper levels of these parking structures for for that kind of parking. These cities are under the gun to create housing, particularly affordable housing. That's 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 every bit as important and and as pressing of an issue as these vacancies are. Maybe a little more. Yeah, but you want the you want the people, but you got to give them retail options because you want that money. You don't want all of us going to Amazon. Absolutely. But that's what these second and third levels are for. There are occasions where second and third levels function well in food and beverage or retail. But generally, it's that ground level that functions like that. You get to the to the areas where they have the multi-story buildings. You find the, the retail on the first floor, office on the second, third, and then housing up to what the 10th or the 12th or the, the 50th, just depending on where you are. That's, that's a basic planning function of a lot of those big cities. Sounds like Pismo Beach is doing it right? Pismo Beach is doing a really, really good job. Jim Lewis did a great job as our city manager. He's up in Atascadero now. Jorge Garcia has taken over. He was the assistant under Jim. He's doing a great job. We lost our community development director, Matt Downing, who was went back from whence he came. He is now the city manager at Royal Grande, and uh, we have a new community development director coming on board. I have an idea who it might be, and I hope I'm right, uh, on March. And but basically, yeah, all the cities have their idiosyncrasies, but like I said, all of them are trying to do the best thing. We don't always agree on what that is, and that's what the public hearings are for. That's what this show is for. Um, they have a new... Um they hired a new director of the Downtown Association. Oh, cool. So she's going to have her work cut out for her, won't she? Oh, absolutely. But regardless whether it's up, down, when the market is way up, we've got to find some space down there, and there's no space available. And then, you know, five, ten years later, we got way too much vacancy. There it is. It's just it's the roller coaster. It's up and down. I hope that uh, they take your advice and subdivide some of these places into smaller I think that's the way to go. Uh, Mark Burns, always good to be in conversation with you. Thank you for coming in. i got about 45 seconds for a final thought. Well, again, thank you, Dave. Dave, Craig, it's always a pleasure, always an honor to be in here with you guys. I thank everybody for, for calling in and asking the questions. And just understand that real estate investing is not a static thing. It's always moving, and it moves with trends. And we try our best to forecast what those trends will be with usually with some accuracy, but not always. And at some point in time, there's a leap of faith involved. Okay, this is what we believe the economy is going to look like. This is the retail brand that we think is going to work. And you either are an investor in that business or in that um, that space. And I guess a final thought, Dave, remember this. A commercial landlord is a de facto partner with their tenant. They both have a vested interest in their business and that business succeeding. I like it. You always succeed, Mark Burns. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Off we go. News, traffic, weather. Here we go. Michelle Dostere joins us next. I'd stick around.
The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Wazy. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111 911.